Welcome to the Cake Adjacent Podcast, a once a week update on all things food, family, community, gardening, whatever. We call it Sidecar. If it has to do with the rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking it places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Coleslaw, coming to you from the soulless suburbs of Northern Virginia. And hello, friends. We are down to the wire with the holidays. And how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I have resigned myself to a holiday of little to no baking and no decorating. I did get shopping done because I don't like to disappoint other people, and I'm only really disappointing myself when I don't decorate or bake. Honestly, I don't think anyone cares but me. And the more I think about it, the more I'm committed to skipping Thanksgiving so that I have more time to do the things that bring me joy, like decorating and baking next year. I did buy a skinny three-foot artificial tree for my office, and I put a few little decorations on that this weekend, and I do have all of those ridiculous inflatables that I love so much, and that will just have to do for this year, and that is okay. But in that way that Facebook makes you glad and sad for the memories it shows you, I was reminded that it has been more than just a few years since I felt good about the holidays. Like, I've been blaming COVID and then cancer and the state of the world plus COVID and cancer. And honestly, I've been feeling kind of down and unable to rally around the holidays since the 2016 election. So I'll need to do some work to find out what's up with that. Spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure I know what's up with that. But I'm honestly not willing to just let whatever this is win because I love all those rituals around unpacking the Christmas ornaments that I've been collecting for 30 years and hanging and filling our stockings and baking old cookie recipes for my family recipe box and finding new recipes in my favorite cookbooks and magazines. You heard it here first. 2023 is all about reclaiming my time. There are so few things that bring us joy these days, I mean, at least for me. Why would we keep letting the bastards get us down? I remember one year in Providence that for some reason I didn't have the time before Christmas to do cookies. So I did them over New Year's and I made lots of gingerbread stars and I decorated sugar cookie hearts for a happy New Year. And honestly, it was a great way to celebrate. I think sometimes we hold on to things for a long time, things like For example, baking over the holidays because it's familiar, not because it brings us joy. We do these things because we've always done them and we think maybe something bad will happen if we don't do them. Certainly, I have fallen into that trap before with other things. Hello, Valentine's Day and Easter baskets. And I I truly love making batch after batch of cookies and then assembling boxes and bags and plates to distribute to friends. It reminds me of the good times my mother and I had when we'd make our cookie plates and then walk them all around our teeny little lane in Lyme and visit the elder neighbors, most of whom were grandparent age. Mom would get invited in for a cocktail and I'd have a Coke or a ginger ale or a cranberry juice, whatever was available as a mixer on the bar, and I'd look at the ornaments on their tree or love on their pets. I was the youngest resident on our teeny little dirt lane of eight houses total, and so I was everyone's pet sitter and plant waterer when they went on vacation. Sometimes there was a gift for us, a book or a trinket from their travels or a Christmas ornament or something cat-themed. Anywho, 
That is a good memory for me. And all these years later, I still get joy from the baking and taking of cookies and quick breads and little candies. And I feel lesser when I'm not able to do it. But this year, I think I realized how much I need to make it a priority, hence relinquishing Thanksgiving, which I do not care about, but other people do. And remember and say it with me, I do not need to set myself on fire to keep other people warm. I'll go to someone else's place for Thanksgiving Day dinner, but it won't be a several-day event anymore. It just throws off my entire holiday flow. I am reclaiming my time. But that whole walking around our little community in Lyme, it was not a very big enough place to call a neighborhood. With cookies and being welcomed into much nicer houses than ours, houses with white furniture and white shag carpeting and huge floor-to-ceiling windows that overlooked the Eight Mile River, I felt like I belonged, that I was wanted, that I had a place there even for just an hour at Christmas and maybe in the spring for May basket delivery. The irony, of course, is that I really do associate that happy memory with my mother, a person who often didn't have time for me when I was growing up. So it is a wonder to me, as I look back on those years, of that one thing we did together, the baking of cookies for Christmas gifting. And that's what started this whole two chocolate cakes and sidecar writing business. Because I realized, yeah, that was such a nice memory. But, uh, oh wait, that was pretty much the only one! All right, maybe that was a little dramatic, but I do wonder whether the annual cookie and cocktail was as important to mom as it was to me. It gave her an opportunity to get out of her life of my father being drunk and unreliable a lot of the time, and mom working three jobs just to keep us fed and the mortgage paid, and she could sit in someone else's big, beautiful, immaculate living room, drinking really good scotch out of a fine crystal rocks glass and talk with grown-up educated people who didn't want some menial task from her and who she didn't have to scrape up off the floor. So anyway, this all has a point, and that brings us to aprons and garden gloves. Because last week I talked about how aprons and garden gloves are a great gift mostly because I love them so much. And in other episodes, and even on the agenda, I talked about my love of aprons. One of the Two Chocolate Cakes Patreons told me that there's an apron museum in northern Mississippi, and I think that we should probably do a road trip. And she sent me some pictures, and I looked through them. I got to thinking about why I love aprons so much. And I think I had an epiphany. Have you guessed it? I'll give you a few more hints. I also love name tags, door keys, swipe cards, my post office box, uniforms, and business cards. Yeah, you got it. I love things that identify me as belonging to something. I don't really care about paying for logos on my clothes, though. Not that kind of belonging. But the elements, however small, that say, you belong here. The key to the office a business card with my name on it, a uniform that looks like everyone else's, so I fit right in with that group. When I was in junior high school, I wanted so much to be a cheerleader. Not so much because they were popular, although, oh my God, they were popular, but because they have uniforms that identified them as being a part of something. When I was in college, I was on the debate team, and I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed I was that we didn't have our own crested blazer like some of the really big schools. When I went back to college after working a few years at Brown University, there wasn't a school sweatshirt for us because our college program was a subset of a larger university. 
And so I designed one and I had it printed and I sold it at cost so that we'd all belong to something we are proud of. I remember the first job I got as a grown person where I had to sign for an office key or a swipe card to get into the building. And the first time I got business cards with my name on it. I remember all my black half aprons with two pockets from when I was a cocktail waitress at the gatehouse and my apron from when I worked at the snack bar at the Frank Davis Resort making grilled cheese and tomato sandwiches and cleaning the grill with seltzer. First kiss? First date? I have no idea who or when that was, but I sure remember the first time my name was on a cubicle or printed in the office directory. I love my aprons because they say, you belong here doing your good work in the kitchen. When I put on an apron, it establishes me as an expert in the kitchen, even though I'm usually the only one in there. Although I absolutely have been known to put on someone else's apron in someone else's kitchen during a party and start clearing the table or doing dishes or taking out the trash. An apron is a way of saying, hey, I have this. A lot like when I put my garden gloves on in someone else's garden to help out. An apron or a pair of garden gloves and hand pruners equals instant subject matter expert which is a whole nother kind of belonging, isn't it? It is belonging to a place like a garden or a kitchen or behind the bar instead of belonging with a group, maybe. It establishes me as a person that other people can go to for information, a trusted source. As much as I know and revel in that I'm an individual and love that I am not a bland personality who fades into every background and goes unnoticed, I very much love being part of things, and all these little identifiers, garden gloves, aprons, keys, name tags, uniforms, clinic scrubs, swipe keys, they all say to me, you are legitimately allowed here, you are wanted here. And for me, someone who spent entirely too long on the periphery of other people's families because mine was just a maelstrom of chaos, that is everything. Okay, so that was your deep unboxing of my soul for this week. How about we get to some food holidays, okay? Okay. Monday, today, December 9th, is National Hard Candy Day. And let me tell you, I tried to go to C's to get their seasonal cinnamon hard candies and lollipops, which are really quite good. Last week, and for the last like 12, 10 years plus, they have had a pop-up kiosk at the mall during the holidays, and I walked all through the open space at the mall to no avail, only to find out after I left a snotty Yelp review that I couldn't find it, that it was in an actual store this year. But of course, nowhere did it say there that not in the mall directory, not on the online, not on the Google business, and not on the C's website. I'm not sure how people were supposed to find it. There were two other people looking for C's as well, and we all left empty-handed because someone couldn't be asked to say where Yankee Candle used to be next to JCPenney. I finally found out, by the way, because C's reached out to me after my Yelp review, and it took five or six back and forths before I finally found out where it was. I'm trying to decide if I'm too peeved to go back this week. I probably am. We'll see. Anyway. I am a fan of hard candy, and here's my list of favorites in order. Lemon drops, pineapple lifesavers, which is also known as the white lifesaver. You can get them in the five flavors pack. Butterscotch nips. These were also my grandmother's favorite, Grammy Budlongs. Watermelon Jolly Ranchers, although I might maybe aging out of those. They're a little too sweet. 
And then pretty much any hard candy that is a mint, but especially those big Pepo Mint lifesavers that come individually wrapped. I've been reading up on making cotton candy lately, and a lot of people use Jolly Ranchers somehow, maybe as the flavor. I think they, they must melt it down and then use that with the sugar. I'm not really sure. It's a mystery. Science is vexing. Must do more research. Tomorrow, um, which is Tuesday, is National Fried Shrimp Day, and that is a day I can totally do without celebrating. I am going to a potluck lunch at the animal hospital, and Ben is making me his famous hummus to bring, and I will also make my tater tot and green bean quiche, and hopefully there will be zero fried shrimps there. It's also National Sangria Day, which seems like a weird time of the year to drink sangria because I thought it was a summertime thing. But it doesn't matter because I can tell you that for me, there is no good time of the year for sangria. I once shared a picture of sangria at Tortilla Flats with a housemate. And let's just say that evening and the next 12 plus hours did not end well for me. It's pretty much what put me off red wine for the next, well, for the last 75 years and definitely for the next 75 years. Just smelling it is traumatic. So you can have all my sangria. Wednesday, December 20th is National Hamburger Day. And I have to share with you this insane Wendy's burger I had the other day on a complete and total whim. It was a hamburger with a deep fried slice of mozzarella and not a skinny slice either, like a half an inch square plank with a little marinara sauce and then a kind of salty garlic bun. I mean, it was fine, but it was a lot of everything. And I only had half of it because I split it with Ben. As you know, I am a person who often struggles to eat. And I do like cheeseburgers and we probably get fast food burgers more than we should these days, but sometimes they are all I want to eat. And since I can go two or three days without eating much more than some saltines, that is an easy way to get food and protein in me. I would be hard pressed to pick my favorite uh, hamburger though, uh, because there's something that I like about most of them, but we mostly default to McDonald's because that is the easiest, the closest, and the quality is pretty consistent especially over the pandemic. Plus, Waffles absolutely loves the potato bones there. Wednesday is also California Kiwi Day. I really love how kiwis look on the inside. On the outside, they look like sad pine cones or rodent bodies. But man, they have like so little taste. They just kind of taste green and a little gritty because of those seeds. I mean, they're fine, but they aren't that special, except they are kind of special. One kiwi fruit has twice the vitamin C as an orange or a lemon, and frankly, that's pretty exciting. And speaking of vitamin C, we are so close to sumo citrus season, and I am so ready, like not even two or three weeks away. So keep your eye out. I, I will absolutely alert you when I see them at the store. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you Google it right now. Sumo, S-U-M-O, citrus. Google it. Okay, moving on. Thursday, December 22nd is date nut bread. And I can't remember if I've ever had date nut bread. And honestly, I'm sure that I have. But I do make a really good date nut snowball cookie when I'm making my Christmas cookies. I actually looked for dates dried and chopped at the grocery store this weekend and didn't find any. I like the dried and chopped ones because they're dusted with sugar, which keeps them from sticking to each other and becoming one giant gloppy date. Anyway, these are basically Mexican wedding cake cookies with dates and pecans. But back to date nut bread. I hear it's very good with cream cheese on it, but to be honest, I don't know how I know that. 
I, I'm going to guess it's from like Continental Breakfasts. Okay, Friday, uh, the 23rd is Pfeffernoose Day, which is a cookie I've always had on my to bake list, but have not yet baked. And they look a lot like other cookies that are ball shaped and then rolled in powdered sugar, but they are much more like a gingerbread in that they are full of spices like ginger and cloves and cardamom and nutmeg and mace and cinnamon. But unlike gingerbread, they also have black pepper and either anise seed or anise extract. So they have a lot of flavor, like a little goes a long way with pfeffernoose. I can eat an entire batch of almond butter balls but I think I could probably only eat two or three pfeffernooses. Okay, so Saturday is Christmas Eve, and I've been racking my brain to remember what we would do for Christmas Eve when I was growing up. I guess we traveled somewhere. Mom liked to be home for the early evening carol service at the Congregational Church where she was the secretary, and it was the only time we went. And if my grandparents were down, Mom and Grammy Budlong would go to Midnight Mass at Christ the King Church, where Kath and I were baptized as babies. But I can totally not come up with a single food memory from Christmas Eve until after my parents' divorce, and we would do separate Christmases, and Kath and Ed and then Kath and Dennis would cook two completely different meals, one for Christmas Eve with Mom and Graham and eventually Gordy, and then a whole other Christmas day with Dad and eventually Linda. For reference on all of those, please go back in the podcast and see Catherine's Christmas beef stew and lasagna from the two chocolate cakes. Anyway, food calendar tells me that it is also um, eggnog day. And really the only thing I have for eggnog day is that I was served up a recipe on Instagram for using mayonnaise for eggnog. And I sent it to Jen Goldbeck to horrify her. And I think it properly disgusted her. And that is always fun. I can drink a little bit of eggnog, but it can't have any brandy or alcohol in it. And it absolutely cannot be lukewarm or room temperature because then that's just like drinking that stuff that you have to have before you have a, um, you know, like an abdominal CT. Uh, that's just so wrong. My drink of choice over the holidays is a nice cold body bottle of Martinelli sparkling cider. It has all the trappings of holiday beverage. This year, I picked out a lovely apple mango blend, but without the hangover and soul-crushing migraines. Christmas, honestly, Christmas can be stressful enough. I really don't need to add alcohol to it. Okay, so now we're on to Christmas Day, which is Sunday, and it is, according to my calendar, pumpkin pie day, sad trombone, which I got to say is a bit of a letdown. I can think of a lot of other interesting desserts for Christmas Day, like a bouche de Noel or a big cheesecake. My favorite breakfast treat on Christmas morning these days is those Pillsbury orange Danish rolls that come out of a can. I seriously love those things. Um, back in the day, dad would often show up at Catherine's with a dozen donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. And I'd love to know what other people's traditions are for holiday snacks. And if you want to tell me big holiday meals, that's nice too. But I think like holiday snacks is sort of a nice topic. Um, but those orange Danish things, big fan. Monday, December 26th, also known as Boxing Day, is also National Candy Cane Day. Whatever. Candy canes are great, especially when they're made from real peppermint oil. But why is there holiday after Christmas? Is that when you start eating them off the tree? I'd like to make a motion of moving candy canes to mid-December, please. 
And if you're not familiar with what Boxing Day is, it is a holiday that came about during Queen Victoria's reign in the 1800s. And it was the time when the upper classes traditionally gave out Christmas gifts and bonuses and extra food to the servants and tradespeople who got the day off after serving the family for the holidays. And many of these families of service, Christmas was celebrated on Boxing Day because they had to work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Eventually, it morphed into boxing of gifts to bring to the poor, to shelters, to food pantries, etc. And of course, in the U.S., I think we cannibalized it to bringing back gifts we don't like to people who were working in retail and were already exhausted. And on this day, the 26th, is also the first day of Kwanzaa, which is a week-long celebration of African heritage, where each of the seven days of the holiday highlights one of the seven principles of African community and culture. And they are in English, because I don't want to mess up the pronunciation, unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. The holiday wraps up usually on the sixth night with a big communal feast and with storytelling, dancing, and music, and it sounds just lovely. Okay, so there are your food holidays and some history for you on this, the week of many holidays, and I hope that Whatever you're celebrating, wherever you're celebrating, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or Solstice or Kwanzaa or maybe just the quietness of the snow falling, that you are right where you want to be because it's your holiday too. I hope you keep sharing the podcast and hyping it in your Jazzercise group, all the characters in your Dungeons and Dragons game, and your favorite cashier at Big Y. A reminder that you can find me at Jen Coleslaw on all the platforms like Mastodon, Post, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. So when Twitter finally turns into a Nazi scooter bar, you can find me at all those other places, although I currently don't post a lot at those places yet. Plus, you know, I have a Patreon where you can find me, patreon.com slash twochocolatecakes. And you can always email me at twochocolatecakes at gmail.com to share stories, recipes, and pictures of your holiday meals, or if you just need a little support on something that is vexing you. I'll check in next week, but until then, remember, if someone in your family sneeringly accuses you of being woke, you can remind them that being a woke progressive means being aware of the suffering and oppression of others, not just ourselves, and open and enthusiastic about changing it for people other than ourselves. For us, it means working towards change so that all people are given the same opportunities we have, and it is joyful and liberating. To be the opposite of woke is to be cruel and punitive and, dare I say, vengeful and selfish and self-absorbed, which is a pretty shitty way to be. And that we rise by lifting up others. And finally, a reminder that we live in a world that offers pockets and pajamas and leggings and do not settle for less. Love you.